Hi, lifers. This is Heather Drew, and this is the Life in the Whirlwind podcast. Today is episode 46, and this episode is called How You Know When You Are Rich. Sorry, this is late. This episode is late. I apologize. I was modeling protecting the sacred flame. (laughs) I just sometimes have a lot going on in my life on the weekends, and that's when I tend to record these podcast episodes. And this weekend, I needed to protect the sacred flame. So thanks for your forgiveness, and hopefully that uh, me practicing what I preach is useful to you. (laughs) Okay. So we've been talking about unity with the self, and we've been talking about self-awareness. We're ready to keep trucking, and I am ready to move forward. And I want to talk about unity with each other, because that's what this is about. Remember, we're doing this unity series, and we want to talk about unity with the self and unity with others. So I'm ready to keep moving. Some of you have expressed some anxiety arising in your pursuit of increased self-awareness, which is interesting. It doesn't surprise me. It's very normal, actually, because remember when, uh, you know, we begin seeing things and we might begin to wonder if we're okay when we start to see things that we have not seen before. And I think also there's some anxiety that comes from cultural messages about self-reflection. So, Um, anxiety is normal. And I have two assurances for you today. Here's the first one. Here's the first assurance. It's all going to be okay. (laughs) You have been saying this a lot. You are okay. So self-awareness can hurt because growth hurts. Also remember that the surface self is bent on self-preservation. It's bent on its own preservation. So that's, you know, that's my one assurance. You are going to be okay. The second assurance that I have is that self-awareness and self-actualization, and this is what we're going to talk about today, self-awareness and self-actualization are actually a means to another end, not the end itself. So that's what we're talking about today. I see self-awareness I see self-awareness and self-unity almost like a bank account. So when people save money in a bank account, it's not really the money that they want. It's not the paper that they want. It's what the paper represents that they want, right? Money is power to some degree. It's, it's the power of choice. It's the power of safety. So when you have money saved, it means you have something to spend. But really, by itself, it's just green paper that the government has decided is extremely valuable, right? So when we practice the last three episodes that we've talked about, where we've talked about the self, when we practice awareness of our own inner multitudes, when we practice self-reciprocity, relationship with the self. And when we practice protection of the sacred flame, when we practice boundaries, we're making deposits into a bank account that is worth something very great. And it's not something that is just for itself. 
So th- this thing that is worth, that it's that's sort of like the, th- the value behind the deposits is this, self-transcendence. So let's talk about Abraham Maslow for a moment. Some of you who know who this is, and um, I want to talk about him for just a minute. Maslow is known for this thing he created called the hierarchy of needs. So it's a triangle. It's a it's like a pyramid. And uh, on the very base, the bottom of the triangle, it goes from, it starts at the bottom and goes to the top, to the point uh, at the top of the triangle. <clears throat> and it goes from most basic needs to more uh, nuanced and higher functioning needs. So the bottom of the triangle, the first layer, as it were, at the bottom is physical needs. So this is stuff like you you have to have your physical needs met. You need food, water, shelter, sleep, breath, uh, these kinds of things in order to live. When you have those things met, you can rise to the next level, the next layer, and meet those needs, which is still a basic need, but it's a little bit higher than this. And that's safety. So the second layer is safety. It's security. It's resources. It's employment. Things like that. And then once those basic needs are met, you can then go ahead and move up a little bit higher to some psychological needs. The first, the first layer of psychological need that can be met after that is love and belonging. So this is intimacy, this is friendship, this is relationship. And then the next layer of psychological need is esteem. So that's things like confidence, sense of accomplishment, um, respect, gaining respect from others, those kinds of things. So you meet these basic needs, the physical needs, the safety needs, and then you can meet these psychological needs, love and belonging, and then the sort of confidence and self-accomplishment, esteem. And then comes the tippy top of the triangle, its own little triangle, which is the highest kind of need that Maslow has in his triangle, and that is self-actualization. Now, this is things like, uh, you know, reaching your full potential or your full creative self. And it involves spontaneity and movement and non-attachment, letting go of things that don't matter. So it's this kind of self-fulfillment that is met. And Maslow's basic, you know, prep, uh, his basic premise is that, you know, you can't meet these higher needs until you've met the most basic needs. So when we talk about all these things like self-awareness, we're really talking at the top of the needs triangle. If you've been listening to these things and you're like, you know what, I don't, I'm not sure I get this and I don't think I can process and work on this right now. Maybe you just got to start a little bit different. You have to start somewhere else, meet the needs where they need to be met on the triangle. It's very important that we go in order from bottom to top. So, but here's the thing is that, um, we're kind of talking about this self-actualization place, but later in Maslow's life, before he died, 
and this theory was cooking with gas. Like people really liked this and they were finding it to be true. And, you know, it's this very psychologically sound premise. Like people use this a lot. Um, later Maslow decided there was something even higher than self-actualization and that was self-transcendence. He realized this is, there's more that it doesn't stop here. This is not where the need stops for human beings. So here's a quote from a book that he wrote in 1971, which is later in his life. The book is called The Farther Reaches of Human Nature. And this is what uh, it says on page 269. He says, transcendence, self-transcendence, refers to the very highest and most inclusive or holistic levels of human consciousness, behaving and relating as ends rather than means to oneself, to significant others, to human beings in general, to other species, to nature, and to the cosmos. So he's saying that self-transcendence is the end, not the means to the end. Self-unity and self-awareness is the pathway to a much greater unity that involves other people. It cannot stop with the self. And I agree, (laughs) just for the record. That's what I'm here to talk about and talk to you about today. So um, Maslow's great, but we also need to think about whether or not this applies to life as we know it. So let's talk about this for a moment. I'd like to propose this order of things to see if it's cohesive with your experience. So I want to go back to this bank analogy because I think this is a really helpful way of explaining this. So if we're thinking about the bank, this bank analogy, um, let's discuss how it might work according to what we've been talking about the last several weeks and how this reaches self-transcendence. So we start with self-intimacy. That's what we've been talking about, right? Like the last couple of weeks we've been talking about um, the magnitude of self and we've been talking about self-reciprocity and protection of the self, the soul, things like that, right? So that's self-intimacy. We begin unfragmenting, defragmenting as people when we have self-intimacy. We take these pieces that have been separate and we sort of put them together through self-knowledge, self-awareness, and soul care. And this leads to a sort of congruence or a certain integrity. Integrity literally means the pieces are put together. So, you know, self-intimacy begins leading to this place where the inner life and the outer life are congruent. They look alike. So it's the me you see is more or less the me that I am. This is really good for you. It's really good for you because you don't waste energy. You don't waste energy trying to keep the pieces separate. Um, Things are put together. Things are whole. So um, we've made our peace with ourselves to some degree. And uh, you can be authentic. It's money in the bank, as it were. 
It's this sort of uh, piece about having money in the bank, safety. So that's what self-intimacy does. And then we go to this place of self. We can move past self-intimacy into self-discipline. That seems to be the natural next place. So self-discipline increasing. Uh, As self-intimacy grows, we sort of begin to consider how we may want to continue both steadily saving in the bank, but also how we might be able to wisely spend what we have saved. So it's like, I think what's in the bank, by the way, is energy. (laughs) I think that's what's actually in the bank. Um, It's energy. So we've been saving all this and we want to keep saving and we want to have like a nice plan of saving, but also a little bit of a plan for spending. Like how will we wisely spend this energy? So have you ever watched, I'm, I'm going to be full of metaphors for a second. Shocker. Have you ever watched an opera singer sing? It's this sort of, I just saw an opera singer sing, and it's sort of this experience that it's hard to explain, but it's almost like, um, it's almost like an opera singer's lungs are this bank. There's this incredibly deliberate balance of breath conservation and breath expenditure. So, um to use a different analogy, maybe it's like, instead of just chugging water, you're drinking through a straw. There's sort of like this continual deliberate flow and a balance of both preservation and expenditure. So that's kind of what this is, self-discipline. It's like, it's like we decide what comes in and we decide what goes out in ways that are, uh, life-giving, not just to ourselves, but we begin noticing how it benefits the whole. And then comes self-transcendence. So people who have a lot saved in this bank, they have integrity, they have practice, self-discipline, and they have this and if they have the spirit of generosity, they have a lot to give. And then these people, self-transcendent people, are the kinds of people who are living for others. They're people who are laying down their life, not as doormats, but as people living for other people. People for others, I call it. So when we can pay attention to, you know, we can pay attention well to who we are, when we can understand and claim our integrity and our honest selfhood, we become centered. And when we are centered, we become free to be people who live for other people. Does that make sense? So there's a wholeness involved. There's an honesty. And then there's a centeredness. It's like all this money is just saved up in the bank. We're spending it on what we need to spend it on, but we're saving it for when we need to save it for you know when we need to use it later and we become centered and free to give because we have a lot to give like maslow's triangle if you don't have something to eat you're going to be very very focused on finding something to eat when you are starving 
when you are not safe, you don't have shelter, you will be desperate to find food and to find shelter. That's insecurity, right? Like food insecurity, safety insecurity. These these are real things. But when we're at this higher level of need because our basic needs have been met and our psychological needs have been met, we actually have a security that comes and we can claim it. And not claim it like we are owed it, just like claim it as in we're grateful that we have it and we want to use it for other people. We see this with a lot with gen- people who are generous with their money. Um, there's a big difference, you know, between a person who is very rich and sort of starts hoarding the money for themselves. And can you think of anybody who does that? And you can also picture this person who has a lot of money and they are very generous and they're very secure. You can, they give out of their security. Another thing that Maslow says is, uh, is this, it is quite true that we live by bread alone when there is no bread. But what happens to our desires when there is plenty of bread? And when our bellies are chronically filled. So when we have what we need, when we have, and maybe you're not sure what that is. Maybe you're not really, maybe you're asking yourself like, do I have what I need? Uh, I can't say this is like a forever thing. Like sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. And we have to reassess as we go. But here's what I do think. Uh, Remember that Rumi quote from way back when? I forget when I shared it. It was quite a while ago, I think, because it's probably back in January or February that I shared this. Um, Back in the early days of this podcast, I shared this Rumi quote. Here it is. A basket full of bread sits on your head, yet you go from door to door asking for others' crust. Attend to your own head. Knock at your own heart's door. So I think what we do a lot of the time is we walk around as if we are food insecure, as if we are bread insecure, bread being an analogy, not actual bread. Some of us are food insecure and that's a different situation, but those who are listening to this are likely experiencing a different kind of insecurity and we're walking around looking for a fullness that exists on top of our own heads. We're looking from door to door, we're asking people, do I matter? Do I have significance? And our significance lays right, lies right on top of our own heads. And the basket is full. So we need to pay attention to that. We need to pay attention to where we are rich. And we need to realize where we are rich. And I don't say that out of like a shame thing. I don't want you to feel shame, but I do just kind of want you to understand we are richer than we think. All of this self-work that we've been talking about, all of this self-unity stuff, all of it is a journey of remembering who we, who we actually have always been. 
or what we have always possessed all along. And yet we keep on going everywhere, looking desperately as if we are starving. This self-work, the self-reflection, the self-actualization work, what it is, is it's going back to remember who we really are. So do the self-unity work. Do the work and know that it's the work of knocking at your own heart and taking the basket off your own head and seeing, oh my gosh, look how rich I am. But don't do it for your own sake and don't stop there. Share the bread. (laughs) Something lies just beyond you having the bread that is even greater. When we can come to this place of self-transcendence, we reach a fuller reciprocity. Just past self-reciprocity is a, an abundant, massive reciprocity with others. And I, beg, I would beg the question. I think that it opens something for us that is otherworldly. It shows us something that is far beyond this life. Self-reciprocity can't be the end. Self-reflection can't be the end of this road. Or we would curl in on ourselves. Um, It's like the toenail that no one ever remembered to clip. Like, ew. Ow. Right? But seriously, that's, that's what it's like. It's when you don't tend to this, it will curl in on you. You will curl in on yourself. Self-reciprocity that leads to reciprocity and mutual relationship and give and take, this like beautiful exchange with other people, it's creative and it's generative and it's intimate and it's messy and it's beautiful also. And we are made for it because the God whose image we are made in is in constant dynamic relationship with self and with others. So it's always for the purpose of the whole that we are self-reciprocal and self-reciprocating and self-aware and all those things. It's this whole beautiful means to a beautiful end. So I hope that makes sense. I hope you realize um, it's a dance, you know, um, It's this beautiful dance. If we're dancing alone, it's one thing. But then to see this give and take with another or with others, it's so dynamic and gorgeous. And it's what we're made for. And it's it's something much bigger than just the self. And that's what it's all for, this unity with others. So here's my invitation to you this week. I invite you into this, (laughs) doing this self-work continually and not letting it be the end of the road, taking it to the next level, letting it uh, explode out of you into, uh, into the world and into relationship with others and with the world around you. And you know, all this money that you have saved in your bank account of the self, may it make you a generous, loving, giving person. 
My blessing to you is this. I'm going to read to you about the one who is the best at this. Jesus. He, I, I love Jesus. He's very, he's just my, my, I'm overwhelmed by him sometimes. Right now I am. And, uh, this is something that I read the other day and I've just been very focused on it for some reason. Um, this is from the book of John. It's about Jesus. Jesus is talking here and, uh, it says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep my sheep know me. I give my life to my sheep. I lay it down. And I will bring in all of these sheep from everywhere. They will hear my voice and they will be united. They will be one flock with one shepherd. There's this picture of unity, right? Like this beautiful picture of all these sheep coming together with this shepherd who lays down his life who gives out of his unbelievable savings generously. And he says, the father loves me because I am willing to lay down my life and then I can take it up again. So here's this picture of him. Okay. He, he has this bank account so he can take, he can take out money any time, but it's because he knows who he is. Jesus knows who he is because he's always paying attention. So that is my blessing to you. You are part of this. And he has laid down his life in generosity. And may you feel your richness because he has given it to you. And may you give out of your abundance and enter into reciprocity with the world. Take great care. Oh, where we were, oh, where we are.
not so far apart. I said I bore the hollow at first light. Yeah, we will. At last, we reached the hollow. We sink down in the moss upon the ground. Song of sorrow to me now, my songbird shall not follow. Drawn back to this secret we have found, and I hear the water rushing down below. It doesn't. Times. Has my young love faded out of sight? Oh, we were, oh, we are, then not so far apart. Set off for the hollow at first night. Yeah, we will. Oh, oh, yeah, we will. Oh.